Welcome everyone to episode 11 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host Matthew and this is our first annual Christmas special. All stories I have today take place on or around Christmas. Also, since this episode is coming out on Christmas Eve, it is going to be much shorter than previous episodes. The first story I have is a killing spree that started on Christmas Eve and lasted for over 60 hours. So sit back with a mug of hot chocolate, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Christmas Eve in 1992, in Dayton, Ohio, Marvelous Matthew Keene and three of his friends, Heather Matthews, Laura Taylor, and Demarcus Smith, started a 60-hour rampage of crime and death, which left six people dead and two more injured. In the early hours of December 24th, Keene, Matthews, and Laura Taylor were invited over to the first victim's house. Joseph Wilkerson, in which Wilkerson was under the impression that an orgy was going to take place. While the group was undressing, Keene pulled out a gun and pointed it at Joseph while the two girls tied him to his bed with an electrical cord. He then shot him in the chest with his own gun. Then Laura, using Keene's gun, shot him through his temple, killing him instantly. After the murder, the group ransacked the house looking for any valuables and then stole his car to go hunt for more victims. Later that same day, at about 10 p.m., the group approaches Danita Gullet. Demarcus Smith decided that he wanted her shoes and she was shot seven times and robbed for her shoes, a jacket, and her purse that only contained 50 cents. She later died at the hospital. They would then return to Wilkerson's home to stay the night, but not before finding one more Christmas Eve victim. At 12.30 a.m., officially Christmas Day, a friend of the group and Heather Matthews' ex-boyfriend was shot four times in the legs by Demarcus, Heather's new boyfriend. He managed to escape to a neighbor's house and survive the attack. They later talked about going to the hospital to finish him off. At 8.50 p.m. on the same day, Richmond Maddox, the ex-boyfriend of Laura Taylor, 
was coaxed out of his house by Laura. They left together in Maddox's car with the others following behind. It didn't take long for him to spot the car behind them and is shot in the head while driving his car by Taylor herself using Wilkerson's gun. She then dove from the car right before it crashed. He later died at the hospital. At 8 a.m. on the 26th, the group decided to go to the local shortstop mini market and rob it. Sarah Abraham, the clerk, was shot in the face and a customer, 67-year-old Jones Pettis, was shot in the stomach. Sarah died shortly after lingering in a coma for five days and Pettis survived. The take from the robbery was only $44. The last two victims of this Christmas massacre were two friends of the group. The group was afraid they would be able to implicate them in the murders, so they decided that they had to go. They were 16-year-old Wendy Cottrell and her 18-year-old boyfriend Marvin Washington. They picked up the pair under the guise of hanging out and drinking. They then picked up some beer and wine and started to drink. After a short time, Keane stopped because he said he had to pee. And after getting out of the car, him and Smith ordered the two out of the car at gunpoint and marched them behind a large pile of dirt. They were both then executed. This ended the almost three days of murder and crime these people did for no reason other than they were trying to have some fun. A potential seventh victim was filling her car with gas when she was approached and carjacked, but she was able to run away before anything could happen to her. The group stole her Dodge Shadow and drove in away hoping to not be caught by the police. A short time later, a police officer spotted the stolen Dodge Shadow, but when he ran the plates, they came back to Wilkerson's car, not a Dodge. The group was quickly arrested, and when the police went to Wilkerson's home, they discovered his dead body. On December 29th, Keene and Matthews were both arraigned and held on a $5 million bond. In September of 1993, Heather Matthews pled guilty to avoid the death penalty, and she'll spend the rest of her life in prison. In October of 1993, Keene decided to be judged by a three-judged panel instead of a jury trial. Heather Matthews testified against him, and October 28th, he was sentenced to death. Laura Taylor and Demarcus Smith were both sentenced to life in prison in January and February of 1994. On July 21st, 2009, marvelous Matthew Keene was executed by lethal injection. The other three are still behind bars, exactly where they belong. These four people went on a senseless killing spree on Christmas Eve and day, all just for fun. They ruined Christmas for the families of all the people they hurt and murdered, and also their own family forever. None of them will be able to have a normal Christmas because of these selfish, selfish people and their despicable actions. All four deserve to the death penalty, and it's a shame that only one of them got it. 
but thankfully the other three will be in prison for the rest of their their lives. Our next story takes place just after Christmas. I will be reading from the author's perspective. This was my first and only experience with a Ouija board. It was the week after Christmas in 1969, and I had just returned to Boys Village, a juvenile institution in Ohio, after Christmas vacation at home. I would turned 14 two days before Christmas and enjoyed spending time with my mother and brothers. At the time, Boys Village had 60 boys in residence, divided up between five cottages. I lived in Eagles, the newest and largest, with 11 other guys and an older married couple who served as surrogate parents. Only two other boys had returned at that point. Everyone else was due back the next day. We built a fire in the fireplace. We made sandwiches from leftovers in the fridge and we all hung out in the dining room talking about our holidays. We'd each brought back presents from home, radios, toys, and such, and one of the guys brought out a Ouija board that he had gotten. I've heard of them, although I'd never seen one before, nor had the other two, so we decided that we should all just try it out. The three of us set it up and sat there at the dining room table our fingers touching the planchette lightly, as the instructions said. We asked the board and whoever was connected with it ordinary questions. Will I pass the English exam? That sort of thing. And we got simple am- answers. The planchette moved, but other than to affirm myself that I wasn't moving it, I really didn't give it much thought. It was just interesting. One of the guys accused the other, the one who owned the board, of moving the planchette, which he obviously denied. They went back and forth for a while, and finally the accuser said, Fuck this, I'll prove you're moving it. Then he said, in a loud voice, with his hand still on the planchette, Hey, you, I don't believe you're real. If you are, show us. I mentioned that we'd lit a fire in the fireplace. As we'd gotten involved with eating and the board, we'd let it burn down to almost nothing. No sooner did the fellow challenge the board than a sheet of blue flame had leapt up from the ashes and up the flue with a loud whooshing hiss. We put the board back in its box and put the box on top of the shelf in the hall closet. For all I know, it's still there. Just like I've said in a previous episode, don't mess with Ouija boards. Whether you believe or not, nothing good can come from them. With all that, that's all that I have for you guys today. I decided to keep the episode shorter than usual so everyone can spend time with their families, including myself. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. A five-star rating goes a long way to help others find this podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Links in the description as always. And if you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing on Patreon. I have three tiers to choose from with some pretty cool extras. 
The first bonus episode will debut next week for my patrons. Well, with all that being said, I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you for listening. Make sure to keep those doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. Mm -hmm.